You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Actually, it's the it's the lead play in our in our offense. What's up, guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. We're live here on YouTube and Twitter. And if you're tuning in on one of those uh, two avenues, you can also find this in podcast form at PackernetPodcast.com or uh, anywhere you get your podcast. Just search Packernet Podcast, and underneath that tab, you will find Packers Total Access along with a bunch of other great podcasts. So I'm joined alongside tonight, uh, Tim, live in Green Bay. Jacob will be on in just a second. But, Tim, how was your day, buddy? What's the weather looking like up there in Green Bay? Has it turned yet? What's going on in your world? Well, it, it was a little chilly today, uh, and the rain finally stopped. We had, like, 24 hours straight of rain. So fall weather is here. Uh, it's officially hoodie season, um, <laughs> which, you know, we love hoodie season, right, Clayton? Oh, dude, so, I, I wear a hoodie year-round, man. It's just the way yeah. it is. <laughs> that's awesome yeah no i did uh the classic um i fell asleep on the couch at like four o'clock you know typical oh. typical saturday afternoon <laughs> puttering around in the garage and then falling asleep on the couch like an old man but uh yeah i got some coffee in me i'm ready to go man it's a good day those are always the best dude those afternoon nap naps and, and i remember there was a time in my life where i'm like man what a waste of time like i don't need no nap yeah, you hit you hit my age, and boy, you get it. You get a fifteen minute nap in. Oh my God, it changes your whole perspective on everything. It's amazing. That's the thing, right? Because you gotta you gotta keep it short. You start sleeping for an hour, you get a little, and now you're just sleeping. So yeah, yeah you gotta do you gotta do a nap, 15, 20 minute power nap. That's the move. Yeah, definitely. We got Drew in the house. We got Zane in the house. Uh, Jeffrey swinging by. Jeffrey said, "Guys, I've been depressed all week. Vegas sucks." <laughs> yeah, man. I'll tell you, it was a tough way to go into the buy. That's for sure. But, you know, like we covered on Chalk Talk, uh, you know, you kind of get down to the uh, the ins and outs, the details, if you will, of what happened in the game. And I, I think there is a lot of promise there. You know, we left a lot on the field as a team. Um, the defense, to me, they stepped up. I thought they played really well. Um, really excited about the pass rush. What you, what you begin doing, Tim, is you look at a team and you go, okay, what are the most important aspects of the game of football, right? And then you say, okay, how many of those can we check off the list? One thing that I think we would all agree that you could check off is definitely the pass rush. I mean, uh, I, Paul Brettel actually had an article. I'll see if I can pull it up here in a second. But he had an article where he was talking about um, the pass rush itself and what it, you know, uh, the combination of, I think it was Wyatt, 
uh, Wyatt Clark, Gary, and Preston Smith when they're all on the field at the same time. And it is just crazy how good the numbers are. But, uh, you know, we, we kind of hit on pass rush there, I believe, on the last episode before it went completely off the rails. But um, what do you think, though, uh, about the pass rush? I feel like we could check that off the list, don't you think? Damn, I think you're muted, buddy. There we go. There it is. Uh, yeah, no, I would agree with that. I mean, I feel like when it comes to our pass rush, we're better clearly off the edge. Uh, I'd like to see a little bit more. Uh, up the middle, uh, but we talked about that with our front. Um, but yeah, you know, we we know how our team rolls, right? We're gonna we're gonna address any issues in the draft, probably more than likely. Um, I don't I don't see any big trade coming up here. Um, but you know, crazier things have happened, right? Maybe they got something up their sleeve. I just hope that's not uh, they're not gonna trade for a receiver or something. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we were just talking about that offline. And uh, let me, first of all, before we get into that, um, let me hit on this article just a little bit. Paul Brettle wrote this at dairylandexpress.com. Make sure you guys give it a click. Uh, go check him out. Obviously, you can follow him on Twitter at Paul underscore Brettle. Uh, one of my favorite follows, straight to the point. His writing is absolutely awesome. But um, basically, the article said uh, Packers with one of uh, the most productive pass rush combos through five games. It says through five games this season, the Green Bay Packers combination of Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Kenny Clark, and Devontae Wyatt has been one of the most disruptive pass rush combinations in football. I'm going to come back to it. We'll get Jacob in here. Um, has been one of the most disruptive pass rush combinations in football. According to Arjun Menon, uh, using data from PFF, the combination of Wyatt, Clark, Smith, and Gary has the third highest pressure rate when on the field together producing a hurry hit or sack on 52.6% of their snaps together. The group also utilizes stunts nearly 50% of the time to cause additional chaos for the offensive line. The truly absurd stat is that Gary Smith, Wyatt, and Clark are generating a sack 31.9% of the time, meaning when they're on the field together. Um, that's just insane. For reference, the highest sack rate among the top 10 of these pass rush combos is at 16.6%. So um, you can see as the team starts to come together, the defense starts to come together more specifically, what you end up having is a great pass rush. I think you've got a decent secondary, and uh, you've got a defense that's starting to come together. Now, when it comes to the run defense aspect, if we're not going to draft by run defense need and key in on run D specialists, then you're going to have to keep that box loaded like we've seen the last two or three weeks. You know, you're going to see some of that cover one robber with late rotation. Uh, you're going to see what they did with Jonathan Owens. By the way, guys, my, my mind is completely made up now. I, I want to see Rudy Ford and Jonathan Owens on the field together. Uh, that's just me. I, I'm I'm officially done with Savage. Um, I think he could be a great a great to you know to good backup if you will, but. Jonathan Owens, what he showed in that Raiders game, in my opinion, watching him fill the gap, them firing him on a safety blitz from time to time, that's the guy I want to see in there. Um, yes, he's not a great cover guy, but is anyone sitting here telling me Savage is? <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like you're you're basically sacrificing. I'll pull up the PFF grade uh, just to kind of give you some a little more detail, but you're you're essentially saying, okay, we're willing to give up the tackling ability of Jonathan Owens, right? for the coverability of Savage. But when you go to the PFF grades and you turn on the tape, Jonathan Owens in a small sample size covered better than Savage did once Savage mm -hmm. went out of the game. So it's just kind of a tough look. But, uh, Tim, what do you think about that? And then we'll get Jacobs. Uh, I'm, Jacobs 
I'm with you. I'm ready. I'm ready to see a little little shake up back there uh, at safety. As long as we get a sprinkle of uh, Anthony Johnson Jr. out there too. Um, I've been yeah. kind of carrying the torch for him since camp. And uh, I think he's probably as healthy as he's been since the end of training camp. So, um, but you know, we, we have that 9 million reasons why we're going to have to stick with, <laughs> stick with Darnell at, uh, at safety. Um, I don't know. He's kind of one of those guys where every once in a while you'll get a, you know, a dog of a game out of him, but mm-hmm. it's just inconsistencies. That is, that's the issue. And, and I see those same traits with JL, like you're, you're seeing. Uh, I kind of like Owens uh, if we go big nickel too, you know, yeah. like in that type of role. So I think it's time. And Rudy Ford has proven that he's uh, a playmaker. We, I, you know, I've talked about that before about wanting a playmaker back there. Um, at least one of our safeties being kind of a ball hawk, um, always sniffing out uh, where the ball is. And that seems to be Rudy Ford. So if, if that's going to be his role, then having a, a hard hitting tackling safety like Jonathan Owens to complement that might be the the best collaboration back there. Yeah, and the way the PFF uh, grades show right now, Darnell Savage is a 59.9. Jonathan Owens is a 62.3, okay? So let's look at what where they differ, right? Run defense, Darnell Savage has a 73.8 grade. Uh, Jonathan Owens only has a 61.4. Remember the play I showed on Chalk Talk where he – uh, he and McDuffie got uh, washed out of their gaps. They they chose the, sh- the same gap. It was really more on McDuffie than him, but it's still a negative play uh, in that sense for uh, Jonathan Owens. That's a good example of run defense as opposed to tackle grade, right? So when you go to tackle grade, uh, Darnell Savage, 63.1. Jonathan Owens, 77.7, right? And noticeable, to- noticeable difference. Yeah. And when you go to coverage grade, Darnell Savage, 54.0. Jonathan Owens, 61.8. He's covering better than Savage. He's tackling way better than Savage. Um, His run defense as far as uh, uh, gap fit in the run game, not as good, but overall defensive grade is better than Darnell Savage. But, Jacob, what do you think, man? At this point in the game, at this point in the season, I should say, this stage, uh, would you rather see Jonathan Owens out there than Savage, or do you think you stick with Savage based off what we've seen? Nah, man, if it's – if I'm the GM, I'm definitely going with – um, with Owens and with, with Ford, like you talked about, I think Savage, that Omar said it right there, five years in, Savage has been a flop, some flashes, but usually he's a liability. I mean, I think that's even being nice. Um, and, and for whatever reason, I just never realized this year, he just seems so much more short today or this year when I looked. Like, I remember one of the interviews, they saw Savage in the background of an interview, and then like the camera panned out, and he's like standing like on the side of the the locker room bench and he's still like just about eye level mm-hmm. with everybody and i'm like oh he's like a little boy out yeah, he's there. Like, small, yeah get out of there dude go on go home so hey but um, he's a ball hawk jacob eh, yeah. <laughs> nine million dollars worth i don't know about that man <laughs> yeah yeah i think at this point in the year we've seen that like yeah i mean goody i i thought it was a good point that we've made um that's another one of those like goodies hung on to this guy because I, I, was this a goodie pick? Yeah, I believe. Yeah, right? oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was a goodie pick. So I mean, I um, to me the writing was on the wall two years ago that this was not going to be the guy, and I think we've kind of painted ourselves into a corner, especially going into the beginning of this year at the safety position because it was a lot of yeah. I mean, basically, I thought it was going to be a lot of spaghetti noodles throwing it, seeing what sticks. <laughs> and I guess right now we're at Jonathan Owens. I'm sorry, Miss Miss Mr. Biles. 
Mr. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Um, <laughs> yeah. Drew in the chat said, I feel like Wyatt is getting better each week. Let's take a look at it according to PFF. Again, this isn't everything, but this is according to PFF. Um, first of all, when I turn on the tape, before I even look at the grades here, I'm going to look away from the screen. When I turn on the tape with Wyatt, an excellent interior pass rusher. My goodness, man. he's He is a Tasmanian devil. In the run game, it's just not there. He just plays – he plays too reckless. And he uh, – for lack of a better way of saying it, what I've seen, he absolutely sucks at tackling. I mean, that's the I, – I don't mean to, to to be overly dramatic with it or disrespectful, but you get him in a, a yard or two of space and he just cannot seal the tackle. But let's see what PFF says about Devontae White. Overall grade, 64.0, okay? Run defense grade, 50.9. Yeah, <laughs> whoo, I think I was right. Tackle grade, 27.7. He's, he's got the worst tackle grade on the entire team. Um, pass rush, 73.8. Um, so you can see right there, he's a pass rush specialist. Not a run defender at all, at least according to PFF. And like I said, when I turn on the tape, that's kind of what I see. But, man, I think, Drew, what you're seeing are some of these games where they're putting him in in the, in the interior, and uh, he's getting after the quarterback. And and I will say this, if you guys watch Chalk Talk, did you see him make the run stop there on third down that one play? That was like – that would have been the game saver if we would have came back. That was the final drive for the Raiders. The guy there – when I seen – when I was playing it back in slow motion, I'm going, oh, man, this, this has got to be a first down here, right? But you seen Wyatt grab him, and he just immediately sunk to the ground, kept him about a yard short. That led to the field goal, that which, of course – they missed and gave us a shot to win that game, which, by the way, man, what a horrible decision by jo by Josh McDaniel. Oh, my God. Like, you literally – you you try field goal that's going to put the other team basically at midfield. And even if you hit the field goal, the other team needs a touchdown, right? If you miss the field goal, they st still need a touchdown. It's like, why in the world would you not go for it there, right? And and people were going well you know you don't want to give up that what you're 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 giving up another 7 yards of field position by trying to field goal right like it just nothing about that call made sense to me and i think that's where they're leaning on analytics a, a little bit too much for sure uh, let's see here joey in the chat said we need to draft or develop guys that stop the run instead of the pass, rush the passer i completely agree joey that's what i'm seeing um, I think that's kind of what's gotten us into this. Now, you can get by with it, but you've really got to commit to stopping the run. And that's what they've done the last couple of weeks is they put those extra bodies in the box. I counted nine in the box on one play there uh, on Chalk Talk. But all day long, seven to eight in the box, uh, fire a safety blitz every now and again. And with that safety blitz, it's probably what they call a green dog blitz where the safety is man up on the running back. If the running back stays in, you just blitz. You blitz to the running back, then kind of play catch man on your way that type of thing but uh yeah so um omar in the chat says hopefully quay and aaron jones will be back for denver i, I would like to see devondre campbell too which i haven't heard much about that have you heard anything tim about devondre because everybody it's it's amazing how everybody goes quiet during the bye right like even the even the beat writers well paul's working his tail off i'll tell you that but the others nothing like no information at all but uh what do you think man you think devondre will be back because it, it seemed like they were that's what they were kind of shooting for right I'd, I'd feel more comfortable saying that, um, you know, as we get closer to next week's game, um, maybe we'll see some limited participations there on that uh, injury report when it comes to practice. Um, but, you know, Dre with, a, I believe it's a second ankle, so he's got two two ankle issues. Two flat tires. Two flat tires is 
I don't know, but man, if we could get him back, that would be that would be the boost that we need in the middle. Um, I think McDuffie is, you know, doing the best he can, and you know, Wilson played his guts out against the Raiders too. Um, but we need that veteran presence out there, um, you know, help that rotation in the middle. Um, Quay too, you know, we need Quay back just for the the simple production. The guy's a tackle machine. Um, you need guys like that on your team. You know, Koi, I, I don't see him miss tackles super often. Um, yeah. We saw it a little bit last year, but this year he seems to be pretty lights out once he gets his uh, his hands on the ball carrier. Uh, yeah. He's making the stop. So, um, but Dre coming back would be huge. Um, don't get me wrong. Even if it is limited snaps, even if he's on a, on a snap count, uh, just to be able to pepper him in there. Um, if anything, to not be a liability on certain plays. Um, not to say that McDuffie and Wilson are liabilities, but you know, it's simple groove of the game. If you don't, if you don't get a lot of reps and you're thrown out there and now you got to play 50, 60 snaps, you know, your production can be a little sporadic. So yeah, I'd love to see Dre get, get back, but I don't know. We haven't, I don't know where he's at with that. And, you know, is that two separate rehabs, you know, like you're rehabbing the, whatever's going on with the left ankle and then the new thing with the right ankle or vice versa. So I, I don't know, I'd be looking at him almost the same way I'm looking at Stokes coming back you know like how how long with the foot and ankle type stuff does it really take till you can get out there and be a go so yeah certainly keeping uh devondre in our prayers man this week hopefully we can see him yeah for sure and jacob look at that wall back here man he got my man got the paul warning jersey up now i just noticed it looking good dude looking good oh yeah man snuck that in courtesy of packers total access right that's That's right yeah for those of you I'll never know. forget when I got that uh when I got that message, man, yeah. that I won that I couldn't believe it. Aren't we doing another one? Yeah, we got another one coming up. Giving man. away another one. Two so. weeks, yeah. Yeah, we do. Uh yeah, it's crazy because that was God, it was forever ago. But yeah, so Tim basically was the I think you were the first one to win an autograph awesome. jersey from the show. I think you were the wow. first winner. So it's pretty cool. That's awesome, dude. Love it. Got all about that. I got. Um, I found a deal on some frames, man. So I had to grab a couple. So heck yeah, dude. Start That's a little cool. collection like you got, Clayton. Yeah, you know, for sure, man. I got we got some more. We got to hang up. I'm just. I'm out of space back here, right? I so. see that little. Uh, I see a Aaron Jones back there behind your chair. If I'm not. Oh mistaken. yeah, yeah. That's that's a nice one. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I love Jonesy, man. Jonesy is like he's everything that represents what's right oh, yeah. the Green Bay Packers. That's that's know? my wife's favorite Packer for sure. Yeah. Aaron Jones. Yep. Yeah, that's no, you know, it's not a coincidence that dude goes down and this offense completely sputters. I mean, that's obviously it. But uh, Omar in the chat said five years and Savage has been a flop, some flashes, but usually a liability. Yeah, yeah basically one good year, two two good years, I believe. And I believe that was even in a different defense. So, you know, it just doesn't seem like he fits, uh, fits what we're doing now. I, I still will never understand that bringing him back. Um I know Jacob and I talked about it all year last year, all off season was just like that. This just doesn't make sense that you would put that fifth year option on him. Uh, someone here said, uh, why not trade him? I'm trying to think of where it was at. I already overlooked it. But if you do trade him, then that contract does travel. Now, I believe it might be prorated based off the games he's played already this year. So you would free up a certain amount, you know, of that money. But again, if it's, you know, let's say we're a third of the way through the season, right? Then you're, you're still going to save a significant amount. Um, unless that is completely guaranteed to the team that originally had him before you trade him. I just don't know how many people are going to be trading for Darnell Savage. It all depends on who had a high draft grade on him. But, um, all right, let's do this. Up here, uh, well, 
let's let's kind of stay on middle linebacker for a second. We were going to continue our talk about the positional breakdown, evaluation, roster evaluation. And, you know, we went through tier one, which was quarterback, left tackle, edge defender, and defensive tackle, right? We got through those. Let's talk about tier two, okay? And, and on defense, I've got two positions that are tier two, and on offense, one position that's tier two. Uh, the two positions on tier two are middle linebacker and free safety, okay? When I say free safety, I'm talking about the safety that is playing deep, not necessarily just opposite side of the strong safety and sneak him into the box. I'm talking about the guy who's going to be covering center field. In my opinion, uh, the most important positions outside of edge defender, right, is right down the center of the field. Nose tackle, not necessarily nose, but, you know, that interior defensive lineman that can impact the run and rush the passer, much like Aaron Donald. Um, then middle linebacker and then free safety down the seam, right? Your deep safety, your last line of defense, utilizing the out of bounds as extra defenders, right? So you want the heart of that defense to be in the center. That's why I'm not a big fan of signing someone like Jair Alexander to a huge contract, right? You see Jacob turning back here and looking at the TV. I'm watching it as well, Jacob. It's uh, <laughs> I was up 15 to six over Wisconsin right now. There's 44 seconds left. It's a second and 10 play. You know, I'm not brave enough to do it, but uh, I've heard that you can pop in audio and not get hit with a copyright. We need to, we need to try that sometime. Might absorb one strike, but I think it'd be worth it to give it a shot. That'd be a lot of fun. But anyway, um, second and 10 play Wisconsin here. I'll, I'll give you a little play by play trips, right? Strong left back pass hit intercepted ball game oh. over. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Look at Jacob. <laughs> yeah, let's uh let's scrap that whole play by play thing. What the hell's going on out here? <laughs> yes. might, have, might have to dump the play by play on the <laughs> what do you think? Four and two, Jacob. Four and two ain't bad, right? That's uh yeah. Yep. yep. <laughs> That's all he's got here. Let me cheer you up with this real quick. For those of you putting in here for the shenanigans the other day, we got a video for you. You ready for this? Oh, this God. is what you miss when you don't come to the live stream. <laughs> Did you see that one good play we got from Dallin Levitt in the game? Uh, where he uh he basically baited them into a false start on uh, on a punt. Oh, for real? Yeah, he was brief. He was he kept you know, you're doing the little little <laughs> dance like the '90s dance, <laughs> the and he 90s. kept doing it. He was like going into the neutral zone and popping out in and out, and then he kind of stopped, and then they they fall started. So like Tim we finally saw a great play. So Tim got them moves, man. <laughs> yeah, he was doing like, like the that. you know the kid and play or whatever whatever. That is. Like I mean, eight. What was it? Looks like date Mike. <laughs> nice to meet me. Nice to meet me. Hi, I'm date Mike. Nice to meet me. How do you like your eggs in the morning? <laughs> All right. Hey, 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 hey. That's just the way we talk in the clink. Dude, that, how do you, I forgot all about that. How do you like your eggs in the morning, man? Oh, that's so creepy. Best part is when he tries to wink and he can't. And you can't. <laughs> feel like a double. My my favorite part was when he walked back into the restaurant and Pam says, "Why are you Why wearing you that now?" now? <laughs> <laughs> he just goes. Shh, shh, shh. He said, "Man, he went. Shh, 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 I'm, I'm on a date." And he grabs the book. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> All right, get it together, guys. Sorry for the Wisconsin loss there. I apologize, but oh, that's good. life. Okay, sounds like life to me. All right, middle linebacker, um, Quay Walker. <laughs> Is he the answer for the future? Is that your Mike linebacker? Obviously, he took a step forward this year wearing the green dot even when Devondre was on the field. Um, obviously, he's a tackling machine, not 
not very like not not great at run gap uh you know integrity i guess you could say let's just look at his pff real quick overall 66.6 not horrible that's up from last year run defense grade 59.9 that's what i see on tape as well tackle grade 80.1 pass rush 51.9 of course you don't need much pass rush from the uh middle linebacker position coverage grade 71.5 so obviously um if you can you can get his run fit game cleaned up right I think I think you've got the middle linebacker of the future. I, I've got a check next to his name. I don't have a question mark like some of the others. I've got a que- uh, check, and of course, Devondre Campbell. I've got a question mark because he has taken a step back, and then obviously the ankle injuries has really been an issue as well. But Jacob, my question to you, Bob: Do you think Quay Walker is the middle linebacker of the future for us, or do you think we should continue to look for that guy, that stud at middle linebacker? Yeah, I think um, I think we got him. I think we got the. Uh, he is him. As the boys, as the kids say, yeah, I think that's what's up. Uh, I, I really do think that he is, uh, he's developed a lot better than I thought he would more quickly than I thought he would. Um, we obviously went through the uh, the situation where he's got to kind of get his, his hot head under control. And it seems like he's definitely done that. At least he's conscious of it. Um, you know, people point to the other game where again, he made that bonehead. I don't call that one a boneheaded play. I, I call that a guy that was just trying to make a play. Yeah. Like, to me, that's that's one of those things where it's like, I don't know. It was one of those stupid rules too, where I just thank you. Very tic tacky. Um, thank you. I, I don't expect that guy to. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. I don't know. I just I, I don't hold that against him. If anything, I just saw that as a, a guy that was trying to make a play. He, and he's done that now. That's kind of his MO is that like he he will do whatever it takes. He will push anybody that's trying to stand in the way of what he has to do. Player, coach, trainer. Get out of his way. He's got stuff to do. He's a grown man. He's not 40, but he's he's 25. 
So, um, yeah. yeah, man, I, uh, I, I'm just excited about Quay. I think he's a beast. I am a little bit nervous though, because you see, man, that, that defense seemed to turn into Swiss cheese. As soon as you took a couple of the holes out of the middle of that D, which Quay and Devondre, um, I, 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 I admire what McDuffie did. I think that he actually did better mm-hmm. than what people are giving him credit for, to be honest. I think he's a solid linebacker. I do. Same, mm-hmm. same to be said for Wilson. Like Tim said, mm-hmm. he, he came in, he's always done this his whole career. He was, I believe, with the Vikings for a minute, and um, he's been a consistent special team stud, but he's shown at a pinch that he can actually be a, a formidable starting linebacker in this league. So I don't know, man, but I, I, I do think that we've got our guy in Quay. Um, it's just whether or not we should build around him. I'm, I'm a little bit nervous with Devondre just because I, I don't see him coming back after the bye, and we know how, how uh, what's the way I can say this? how sissy-footed the Packers are with letting their guys get back from injuries. I mean, it's I, I still, to this point, cannot believe that Aaron Jones has played the amount of snaps he's played. I just – it's crazy to me. So. Yeah, definitely. What do you think, Tim? You know how I feel about Quay. So, <laughs> I mean, go back go back anytime I've been on the pod, you know, we talk about Quay. So that that is the dude. He, he is him is correct. Um, I felt – I've always felt that way. Um, and I think the stuff with like the run fit and, you know, gap, gap discipline and things like that, it's, it's coming. It's, he's building this into his, uh, his toolbox as a, as a middle linebacker in the NFL. And I think he is definitely a guy the more with more reps, more time, you know, he's going to add to his game and grow into his, himself as an NFL player. Um, so I think, yeah, you do, you do want to build around him. I think you want to look ahead uh, with Quay as your as your anchor in the middle, because I think you're right. There's too many question marks when it comes to uh, Devondre Campbell um, and, and his future with this team, even his future this season. And that's not a knock on Dre. We love him when he's on the field, but you know, you can't make the club in the tub, like you've said before. And uh, injuries are a quirky, you know, really terrible thing that just happens to anybody. So, you know, if it's one and done or a game here, a game there, and we can't have them, you know, you, Quay's your guy for the future. And to be honest, I think I, I do. I like Zay McDuffie, too. I think he's a, a solid linebacker, um, you know, especially a, a rotational guy, a backup guy, and a guy who's certainly proven that he's capable of starting when you need him to. Um, so McDuffie's probably not the, the guy you build around in the future, but I think Quay is, and I think Quay's proven it. We've seen improvement in those areas that, you know, he was critic, criticized for last year. You know, yeah. he stepped it up this year. Um, as far as his mentals and, you know, we've seen the meditation and the approach that he's taken to the game. Um, Jacob, I, I'm, I'm really grateful that you brought up that that field goal that he was penalized for. Um, it's a guy trying to make a play in a crucial situation of the game. I think it's an absolutely stupid penalty that the league competition committee needs to review how they're officiating these type of situations. For that to be, you know, I believe it's a personal foul that that's, you know, like a what was that? It was a loss, loss of down, like for jumping over the center. Like, yeah, that, that seems like a ridiculously, you know, that's just a ridiculous response for that type of a penalty. Um, yeah. To me, it's an overreaction. And then that, and then it's like you tra- transpose that or compare that to what we saw where Christian Watson gets horse collared and we see a, the NFL finds this guy 15 grand or whatever. But it's like, well, why didn't we get the ball? 
on the half yard line in that situation. You know, do, does Christian Watson score a touchdown if he's horse collared? You know, like in the NBA, if you goaltend, they give the they give the team two points. They count the basket. You know, it's almost like that's how I look at it. Like you knew this guy was going to score, and and you bring him down by the horse collar tackle. Oh, we'll handle that next week with the league office, and you'll get your fine, and you can you can send a check. But as far as how it impacted the game, same thing with Quays. You know, that penalty impacted the game. It put him out there, new set of downs. That was agonizing to have to see that. And then to watch the replay and see what Quay did, it's like, you know, personal foul. I think they should change how they they uh, assess that penalty. You know, that to me seems like a five-yard penalty or something. Like, I don't yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's tough, man. Um, you know, it, it, you guys know how I am. Like, I come from the school, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Whatever you got to do to gain a competitive advantage, I'm all about. I, I kind of dig that about sports. Uh, it's what I used to love about NASCAR, and now I can't stand NASCARs because back in the day, you didn't have to have the strongest car. You could just be – you could be witty. You could know how to work the pack, and you could darn sure, uh, you know, <laughs> if you ain't rubbing, you ain't racing, if you know what I mean. Dale and, Earnhardt forever. Uh, well, hey, I, I fell in love with the sport because of Dale. Um, so, anyway, uh, you know, I when, when I see a play like that, I immediately thought, <laughs> that's brilliant. Great, hey, touche. That close, man. He almost, he almost cleared him. Yeah, perfect too. Yeah. yeah. So, it is what it is, man. The the, the rules are the rules, and uh, you know, again, you just got to kind of, as as Pedro Martinez once said about the Yankees, I've got to tip my hat and call the Yankees my daddy. So, uh, <laughs> they, uh, just a good good play on defense. But uh, Omar in the chat said they got strong inside linebacker with Devondre and Quay corners, two of the best in Rasul and Jair. The D line much better. Pass rush room is deep. They need a run stuffer and some help for that weak back end. Now, you guys have heard me talk about Rudy. I talked about him last year, um, and I know people are tired of hearing about it, but. Rudy Ford right now grades out as the 19th best safety, and he does play free safety 90% of the time. So the 19th highest graded safety in the entire NFL. Now, Jonathan Owens isn't on this list because he just falls short of the uh, the minimum snaps to be included on this list. If he was included, he would be the 50th graded safety. So keep in mind, 64, there's 32 teams, so 64 uh, qualify you as starting caliber, right? Darnell Savage is 63rd, okay? So to put that into perspective, he is a starting caliber safety, right? Um, however, you you uh, you want a true safety that can play both positions like you need in this Fangio-style top-down defense, then, you know, when it comes to that, you want him in that top 32. Rudy Ford is 19th. So um, Jonathan Owens, like I said, would fall into the uh, the range of right at 50, which is significantly higher than Darnell Savage, you know, like 13 spots higher. So um, I wouldn't mind to see them re-sign Rudy Ford, see if you can get Jonathan Owens back in Green Bay. I think he's just on a one-year deal, if I remember correctly. Y'all correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, if you get him back, that's your floor. You got Rudy back, you sign him to, let's say, give him $2.5 million per, a little bit of guaranteed money. I said this last year, I sound like a broken record. They didn't do it. He tested the market. The market wasn't there. They come back, sign him for $1.5 million. Yes, that's a win for Goody. That's overall a good mood as opposed to giving him the extension. But he's shown enough now and put enough on tape. What if he hits free agency and gets $3 million? You get outbid for him, and now you're coming in next year with really no safety room whatsoever, you know? So I would like to see Rudy Ford extended. 
And then I would also like to see uh, um, Jonathan Owens brought back. And there's your floor. Now let's see if we can upgrade in free agency. Let's see if we can uh, draft someone to upgrade that room. Let's see if Anthony Johnson Jr. can take a step forward, right, and maybe step into that starting role as well. So definitely just something to, uh, to keep in mind. Let's all check and make sure we don't have Discord open on our devices because that dinging is driving me absolutely insane. I know it's not on mine. Just double check. You guys would just make sure nothing's on there. Um, I do not have a Discord, so it's not me. <laughs> it can't, can't be you right there. <laughs> it cannot be me. Yeah. Um, sometimes my my uh, phone will actually sync to this PC, and I have to make sure it's not. It's definitely not. I just checked, so it shouldn't be that. But, again, just double-check for me if you don't care. Yeah, so it's disconnected. So. All right, um, back to the chat here. So middle linebacker, I think we would all agree, Quay Walker, we feel good moving forward with him, right? Free safety, we were just talking about it, right? I think I've got a question mark next to Rudy Ford because I want to see it all year long, but at the same time, you – you start to get a little bit later in the season. I'm feeling more and more comfortable. We need to bring him back on a discount and set that floor at free safety. At free safety, Jacob, how do you feel about it, man? Um, you know, do you, would you be willing to sign Rudy Ford to a two-year extension? Um, what do you do with Darnell Savage? Do you look to trade him like someone was saying here in the chat? Um, would you just cut him outright or, or, I'm sorry, let him walk in free agency this coming off season? How do you feel about the free safety room? Yeah, um, definitely let Savage walk. Uh, I'd give, I'd give Ford at least a two-year deal to try to see what he can do. Um, give Owens, like you said, give him a shot. And then I go hard in the draft. Um, maybe, uh, maybe some free agents kind of stuff. But, yeah, I just – I don't – I'm actually a little bit surprised that safety hasn't been as glaring of a need as I thought it would be. Uh, at this point in the season, because honestly, like I'd, I'd argue that the cornerbacks have let us down more than the safeties have, and probably the interior defensive line as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, that being said, yeah, I, I, I think that's a decent floor, decent base to build on in the next year. But it's not something I'm excited about. I'm not going to make the same mistake going into the next year, being like, well, we got uh, five guys that could be, possibly do the role, so that means we're deep. It's like, no, that means. We don't have a single dude that can play the role. So, right, yeah. Um, what do you think, Tim? How do you feel about the, about the safety position, man? I think Jacob's right. I mean, that's probably what they're going to do is just let Savage walk at this mm-hmm. point. I mean, my God, how much more money can you throw at this guy? Like, what are we? And like you said, I'd like to see him move. You know, as far as trades, but let's be honest, what is the market um, for a guy like Darnell right now? Um, so I think, yeah, Rudy Ford seems to be that guy, um, at least near term future, a piece that you can build around. And I agree. I think we should see some competition at camp. You know, yeah. let's let's bring let's bring JL back. And, you know, Anthony Johnson Jr. can run around out there. Let's see what uh, free agency looks like. Uh, let's see what the draft looks like. Uh, you never know. Maybe there's a late round steal in there. Somebody that we can snag and develop. Uh, alongside Rudy Ford, but um, yeah, I'm over the the Darnell uh, experiment. Um, you know, I don't know what it is. I don't think it, the one thing I will say is, you know, it's not for lack of effort, right? I, I, no, don't, yeah. I don't. I don't think Darnell Savage is like mailing it in, and he's not. It's not trying. It's just you know, I don't know. It's maybe it's misplaced effort. <laughs> we're getting that. We're getting that high octane effort, but it's like you know the wrong gap, or it's the you know, the wrong read. Um, but yeah, we've been waiting four or five seasons for, for the 
him to get over that hump, and I just I haven't seen it. Um, you, know what, you know what I fear too is I feel like Savage is going to be one of those players, no matter where he goes, he's going to go off to whatever other team, and he's going to be a consistent like top ten safety somewhere. It's just the writing's on the wall. You know Micah I mean? Hyde all over again. Exactly. Yeah, it'll be Micah Hyde or something like that. And it's just like why, why? Well, more power to him as long as I get Anthony Johnson Jr. on the field. Let me tell you. I'm telling you. I don't know what it is, man. It's just a it's just a gut reaction. I feel like I feel like that that kid is is a playmaker also. Um, so, but hey, you know that's the, to, to the original point. Like we were just talking, I think that's the move. We didn't really see a lot of uh, competition at camp this year because I think the unspoken truth that we all realized, you know, a few practices in was that it was going to be Ford and Savage. Yep. Um, we speculated off and on about what it was going to be, but I think within uh, the organization, I think they knew that was probably the plan. And then J.O. being the third kind of option. And lo and behold, that's what we've seen so far uh, this year is Savage, Ford, and Owens predominantly back there. So, yeah, for sure. Omar in the chat said, how did Goody extend Savage $7 million a year after playing so badly? Man can't let go of his mistakes. That's a big uh, that's a big flaw for many executives in the NFL, you know. Um, the only thing worse – that making a bad draft pick is refusing to admit you made a bad draft pick. We've talked about it. You've seen it with Amari Rogers. They held on to him for so long. What's crazy is I wasn't screaming to cut Amari Rogers. I'm simply going, he can't punt. He can't return punts. Like it's not, it's not working. He's, he's, he, you can tell he's just not comfortable back there, but give him a shot on the field. Right. And we don't know what's going on in practice. And that's the thing Michael Lombardi always scoffs at. He would scoff at me right now. If Michael Lombardi was on this pod, he would say, Clayton, do you think they don't film practice? Do you think they don't grade practice, right? And he's exactly right. So they've seen something with Amari in the practice field that suggested he couldn't play wide receiver as well. I don't know what the hell they're looking at with Savage. I'm just being honest, like, that they just keep him around. But uh, it's frustrating, man. It is. And, and again, you, you that's the one thing that, that has irked me this year is Matt LaFleur has caught heat. Jordan Love has caught heat. Josh Myers has caught heat, right? Uh, you've heard me throw a little shade at Jair Alexander, right? Not living up to his expectations. All these people are being held accountable, but nobody is mentioning Brian Gutekunst. Brian Gutekunst put this roster together, right? The youngest roster in the NFL. You absorbed, you signed a quarterback to a three-year, $150 million fully guaranteed contract, right? And then you trade him the next year, having to eat $40 million of accelerated cap penalty. Okay, put yourself in that position. And, and right now, when you look at Jair, you made Jair the highest-paid corner. And, guys, he's not performing. And I know he's been banged up, but, I mean, Jair Alexander right now, 63.5 overall PFF grade. Run defense, this is the one that hurts, 55.6. Tackle grade, 49.6. And then coverage grade, well, he's a great cover corner, 66.3. And the tape is showing it. The tape is showing there was one play. Thank God Jimmy G did not see Devontae Adams because he absolutely cooked Jair off the line. He literally done his little patent release. Jair just about fell down, had to put his hand on the ground. And you could see Tay, as soon as he finished his release, looked back, but Jimmy was looking to the left. If he'd seen him, it was six. Like – and I understand players make mistakes. Nobody's perfect. I got you. But when you constantly run your mouth, <laughs> right? Like, I, I'm one that when I heard the locker room comments from Ja, it bothered me. 
And I know there's many people saying, well, he didn't mean it like that. It was taken out of context, all those things. And, and hey, I, I respectfully disagree. But after a game like that, when your initial response is, hey, we're just going to have to not let anybody score points with this offense, it's like, hold up. So now we're not a team. We're an offense and a defense. You know what I mean? Like that. And it's one thing if he's – if Rasul Douglas had said that, I'd be okay with it. You want to know why? Because Rasul Douglas is grading out at 83.7, and he is a top 10 corner in the National Football League this year. I don't know, man. I'm just kind of old school like that, that if you ain't performing, you know, might want to shut your mouth and try to up your game just touch. That's just how I feel about it. But um, I could be wrong. What do I know? So uh, let's see here. There was another comment I want to get back to that I really liked here. Anything schematic talk I'm all about. Justin Terry says – why don't or can't we play more too high man to man? Okay, when you, and you actually seen too high man. You seen it on uh on Chalk Talk. I broke that play down. It kind of caught me off guard. That's the first time I can remember the Packers playing too high man. Um, when with Joe Barry as the the defensive coordinator. Okay, now some would argue that quarters with zone match is essentially too high man. It's still a quarters defense. You've got four deep committed if the routes dictate that. But with too high man, essentially what you're doing is you're saying we're going to play with a light box. We're going to allow our our defenders to turn their back to the quarterback in man coverage, right? And everything screams it's a horrible run defense, right? Many times you've heard Aaron Rodgers, they asked him, why do you struggle? So that was his big, biggest struggle was too high man, what they call two man under, Right which is basically man coverage across the board, two safeties split in half the field over the top. You could play two man, two high man trail where the DBs will just get in the hip pocket and trail the receiver. So you're taking the underneath routes away while the safeties are taking over top, right? It's just a, a really good way to stay plus one, no matter where the ball's thrown. Uh, but the problem is like Aaron said, the only way to get teams out of that defense is out of that is to run the ball. Right. And that's what they will do is run the ball. So I'm not a big fan of two man under, or like you said, two high man is what you refer to it as. Um, that's why I don't think you see more of it. I think right now the bread and butter is cover one robber, cover one uh, cover one hole, and then just cover one outright with a little blitz, little green dog blitz. That's the stuff that I've seen that's been the most productive. That and every single one of our interceptions this year as a defense has come from spot drop coverage, from playing zone defense, whether it's cover three or quarters or quarter, quarter, half that's where you're getting your turnovers at. So that's kind of how I see that. But, Justin, thank you so much for the comment there, buddy. Um, I just – I'm not a big fan of two-man under personally. That's just me. Um, all right, so I think we all agree Rudy Ford, question mark, might be the guy. we got to continue looking for that that stud safety, right? So let's move on to the offensive side of the ball. Another tier two position here. Woo, it's center. <laughs> um, I'm just going to go ahead and put my opinion out there. I don't think Josh Myers is the center of the future. Um, Jacob, go ahead and take the floor, sir. Uh, yeah, no, it's going to be a no for me, dog. Um, not gonna, not gonna work here anymore. Not gonna. <laughs> uh, yeah, basically. Yeah. And I, I don't know exactly how, I, honestly, I, I would almost argue that we should, if we're, if we're going to do that, if we're going to get rid of Myers, let's start it this year. Let's like we've talked about, let's see what we have and what we don't have with this team, I've, I've seen enough out of Myers. He's a giant center that doesn't do anything. Um, the amount of times that I watched breakdowns where, whether it's from Herman or you or 
like wall or whatever, they'd be like, look at, you know, the circle would be like, watch Josh Myers. <laughs> and then he's like, watch Josh Myers here. And he's like, he looks like circus music, bro. The Travolta meme where he walks in and he's like, <laughs> like, and there's dudes falling all in front of him left and right. And it's like, man, you are not great at this. <laughs> yeah, that, that would definitely have to be. I, I we got to figure that out. And um, I can't remember the guy's name. I always forget it. But the uh, that we've had now two. It seems like safety and center. So you look at like um, Kyle Hamilton and what was the other guy's name that uh, again we missed on this last year? Who people are like, it's, it's Arias is, you know what? It's duty. He's not going to be a good safety. Two years in a row, like one of the best safeties I think grading out. Uh, 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 Lions guy, isn't it? Or uh, who am I? Yeah, Brian Branch. Yeah, Brian Branch. Yeah. So yeah. I, you know, I'm just um, and then you could say almost the same thing for the center position. You look at like Creed Humphreys, and then the other guy that was uh, Linderbaum, I believe it was mm-hmm. pro ready. Everybody said these are going to be like one of your best people at their positions, and sure enough, each one of them, year one, they're top tier at their position, and yeah, their RAS isn't great, but it's like. And, and, and that could maybe go back to what you talked about, Clayton, with, with Goody. I know that he's a big proponent of got to have that RAS. They got to be freaks. They got to be this. They got to be that. Come from big schools or this and that. Like, I I think that we've clearly seen that there are some some chinks in the armor of, as to how we draft and develop. And third round, you know, a lot of little caveats as to our, our tendencies here that we need to figure out what we're doing. Definitely. Badger Trio says Myers definitely not even Rodgers had issues with him. Um, and then he went on to say, like, what was he doing on those illegal man downfield? He looked lost. Bro, I was – and it's – when I watched Chalk Talk back, I've counted, I think, five this year that he could have been called for it. So, please, please, please don't be a fan that goes, oh, come on, the refs are cheating us. We've gotten away with several from old Joshy Boy Myers. I promise you that. All right. Um, and let's see here. Omar says Myers is the weakest link and Walker's a big question mark at seventh rounder with no snaps last season. How much can you expect from him? I think that Walker has done more than what any of us could have asked of him right at left tackle. But when it comes to Myers, yeah, he's, he's definitely the weakest link. And, and guys, that's the last thing you want is the center to be the weakest link of the offensive line. And why do I put it in that tier two? Some people would say it's not that important. The center when, when you come to the line of scrimmage, one of two things are going to happen. Either the quarterback is going to call out the protection or the center is going to call out the protection. In a perfect scenario, both are involved, right? Let the center call out the protection while the quarterback's reading the defense, and if the quarterback disagrees with the protection that was called out by the center, then he can come up, change it, maybe just do a little slide, just a slight adjustment based off what he sees pre-snap, all of that. Um, so that's something that – Right now, Jordan Love is not doing any kind of uh, any kind of protection set, so it's all on Josh Myers. Um, you know, he said this off season in an article, and Jason Wildy kind of outlined it on his show that Myers said there were several times last year that he set the protection, and Aaron came right behind him and changed the protection completely, and said not one time was I correct and Aaron was wrong. Like he saved my butt on those plays. Well, now Aaron's gone, and your quarterback isn't setting the protection. This is where I come hard, come down on uh, hard on, on the head coach because that's on Matt Lafleur. Like you've got to know going into this season, something's got to change there. 
to just go in and go, ah, maybe Myers will get it this year. That's just, I mean, that's not practice, man. I don't understand how he didn't get it if he knew that Aaron saved his butt all these times. It's like you're not learning. Like you're not asking like, hey, Aaron, when you when you switched protection here, you know, tell me how you came to this thought process or clue me in, like be a student of the game that helps you improve. It's like, have how, how come that didn't happen? Yeah, that could be a coaching thing. But to me, it's a, it's on your center, too, a little bit. I right. feel like I feel like Josh Myers is if we snap the ball, Josh, and then he figured out how to snap the ball now. But then everything else is out the window. And it's like center. I think he proves that snapping the ball is like not all you need to do as a center. We always think the center snaps the ball and that's it. It's like, man, there's he's there's so much more that you need to do and have responsibility for at that position. And I just don't see him like zero improvement. It's almost a regression from last year in a lot yeah. of ways. No, it definitely is. And when you were talking about him not learning, it comes down to studying. It's not as simple as, oh, last time we did this, let me do it like that. And I'm not saying you're saying that, Tim, but a couple of weeks ago on the McAfee show, Aaron Rodgers was on there. I know we've got a, a certain percentage of fans, Packer fans, that refuse to listen to anything that Aaron Rodgers has got to say. I've always looked at that McAfee segment as if you get through the BS and them cutting up and, and taking shots at the media and taking shots at Big Pharma and all that stuff, which I, I don't mean personally, I think it's hilarious because I've had friends and family die because of Big Pharma. That's a story for another day. Um, but when what he was calling out about the protection and talking about the protection was studying fronts, meaning studying where the nose is lining up. What front are you in? Are you in an over? Are you in an under? Are you in a bear? Are you in a jam? Those will nine times out of ten, if you watch tape on that specific defense, especially a four-game saturation, and you're really studying the tape of those fronts, everything starts with the front. And that will determine the percentage in which they will blitz off a certain side. So if you go in and you say, okay, they're in a bare front, all right, bang, let's set, let's set 52 to the mic. We know 90% of the time that's going to set our protection correctly. And now the quarterback knows if this guy does blitz, he's on me, and you've got a veteran in Alan Lazard or Randall Cobb that knows if that guy fires based off the protection that was set because these guys have played together for so long, I'm going to go hot and give him a quick outlet. That's why you've seen so many times shotgun snap, Aaron, dump it off real quick. You beat the blitz. That's what he did at a very, very early age because Coach Tefford brought that to Aaron and showed him in college the quarterback should be setting the protection. You know, it's, it's like what Jake Shavink was talking about on the pod. I believe it was Jake that mentioned it. You've got college quarterbacks setting the protection at the college level, and our quarterback isn't even set at the pro level. Well, he's young. It's his fourth year. He's had four years to understand and, and learn this. Now, it it's unfair to just say, okay, well, he just hasn't learned it because it could be the coaching staff saying, no, 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 don't worry about it. That's not important, right? And if that's the case, then it's on the coaching staff and not Jordan, right? So – it's tough all the way around. Uh, the one the one thing is, though, we missed on Myers. There's no no denying it. And I just can't imagine what this uh, this offense would look like with a Creed Humphrey as center. And it, it, it just continues to hurt. <laughs> it continues to hurt for sure. This is a good comment here by Deadfish. If we took Brian Branch in the draft, then we would not have Musgrave or Reed. Um, you'd have to choose him over one of those two. I beg to differ, and I'll tell you why. I would say you wouldn't have – if it were up to me – you wouldn't have Lucas Van Ness because what I seen 
was trade down. And I like the Lucas Van Ness pick. I mean, obviously, look over my shoulder back here, right? I'm a big Van Ness fan. I think he's going to be a great pro. But I like the idea of trading back and taking Branch toward the bottom bottom of the first round. And immediately people started to shoot it down. And here's the the age the age old argument, right? That it always comes down to. Well, he doesn't meet the physical specifications of Brian Gutekunst, right? He doesn't fall into that physical category. Okay. Well, you see Brian Branch playing in Detroit in the nickel. That was the other thing. He's not a safety. He's kind of a tweener. He probably okay. How would you like to have Brian Branch firing off that nickel right now? I mean, I think we would all agree. Uh, I haven't looked at his PFF grade. I could be completely wrong. We'll check it. But let me uh, look at our defensive grades here. Let's look at Keyshawn Nixon, our nickelback, 230 snaps, 58.6 defensive grade, tackle grade, 43.5. Jacob, say something smart while I try to find uh, Branch real quick here. Well, people like to hate on Nickelbacks, but I think Nickelback was one of the best bands that ever was around, ever. And uh, honestly, you said say something smart, Jake. <laughs> thought I was. Oh God, sorry, my bad. My bad. All right, this is going to make y'all sick. You ready for Brian Branch's PFF grade? No. You ready for <laughs> some Nickelback? Yeah. <laughs> Basically the same thing. <laughs> oh man. All right, run defense grade. Let's start there. Take a guess what his run defense grade is, boys good i think isn't it like 75 higher is it higher oh 80 85 86 higher no, no. it's a 89.1 and Lord. we none of us should act surprised because we talked about it right that he had the highest tackle percentage success tackle success percentage in the pff era as a db like that's no it wasn't as a db it was every position, including middle linebacker. He was more successful at tackles over tackle attempts than any other player in the history of the league in the PFF era that got graded by PFF. Like, it's just – it's insane. His overall grades is 79.7. And, again, he's technically playing corner. So let's go and check out the cornerback position real quick and just kind of see where he hits here. Um, he is the ninth highest graded cornerback in the entire NFL right now. So there you go. <laughs> but again, he didn't he didn't measure tall enough. He didn't have a high enough. He didn't, you know, you turn on the tape and you're like, this dude is a freaking football player. Well, he's not technically a safety. Okay. I, I was unaware that our nickel position was just so sheared up. <laughs> Yeah, right. right, which is weird, especially with the Tyreek Carpenter experiment and all yeah. of the, you know, like, I don't, yeah. And where's Tyreek Carpenter right now? Isn't he, a, isn't he like a Pittsburgh Steeler or something? Yeah, or, something yeah. like that. So, yeah. I, I don't know. Swing, right, and so a, swing and a miss. We would all agree that Myers isn't the answer at center, right? Uh, yeah, yes. unequivocally. Okay, so I think I think I'm uh, I think Myers has got it out for me here. My pen finally went dead on me, so it is what it is. Um, what is the answer at center then? Let me ask you this. I'm gonna run this by you guys. What do you think about Zach Tom moving from right tackle to center, and not necessarily right now, but maybe in the off season that way you get a good clean run and a fresh offensive line look. Um, my initial reaction is no because Zach Tom has played so well at right tackle. However, I'm a hell of a hypocrite. If I'm sitting here saying that center is a more important position than right tackle, 
and I'm not willing to put a better player at center than right tackle, right? And Tom, in my opinion, he's not built to play guard. There's absolutely no chance he's built to play guard. Um, I think right tackle and center are the only two options. If someone came in and told me, hey, look, we're forcing Tom, we're forcing you to accept Tom at center, I would not kick and scream. I'd be like, hey, let's give it a shot, right? So if you put him at center and you put um, – you keep Rasheed Walker at left tackle, right? You put him at center, and let's say you put Yash back at right tackle, okay? Yash got his lunch eight last year against Detroit, right, that last game of the season. That's what kind of – I think that's what soured the coaching staff on Yash. But, again, you're getting better at center. You're getting worse at right tackle. But I would put more uh, – uh, you know, more emphasis on the center position because I believe Zach Tom will probably have a little bit better handle on setting the protection and uh, and just playing center outright. But uh, what do you think about that idea, Jacob? Would you be for that, or do you think, nah, man, we need to leave, we need to just leave Tom at right tackle and take advantage of the fact that he's making like 1.2 million next year, and right tackles go for anywhere from 15 to what 25 million typically. Yeah, I'm um, I'm not really a fan of trying to plug and play guys like we've seen what that did to Elton Jenkins career I think that it's probably hampered his development I'd argue um almost specifically for doing you know kind of a similar thing taking him out of position where we thought he would excel at just because he can play another position doesn't mean necessarily he should um I'd rather us just bite the bullet with Myers for the rest of this year and then really draft like a draft a pro ready center and it seems like every draft they've got one or two of them so i don't know get shavink on the phone and figure out which one we got to draft and run that thing into the into the into the uh when they're doing the draft man run that thing up don't even look back i'm like you said if you if i look at the last what is it if you look at um hamilton branch who are the two uh pat linderbaum and then uh creed humphreys i mean mm-hmm put any one of those guys on our team i think this year our team is drastically differently like it's it's performing differently and i don't know i don't know what that what that means i like you <laughs> talked about goody's been escaping a lot of the, the criticism i don't know if that's gonna last at the end of this year man i feel like a lot of people are gonna be um kind of on that hot seat even like the floor goody obviously love um i don't i don't know barry for sure mm-hmm yeah. What do you think, Tim? Uh, I agree with uh, Jacob's sentiment. I, I would rather not move Zach Tom. Um, but I do agree with your point, Clayton. It's like, well, you get better at a more important position, and then you can address the, the right tackle. But it's like, give me a guy who played center at Pop Warner, center in high school, center in college. Now he was going to the NFL. He's going to play center. Like, give me that guy at that position. Not, not a plug and play, like Jacob said. Um, although, you know, maybe Yash isn't the answer at right tackle. Um, I don't know what's going on with our boy, Caleb Jones. We've seen him at right tackle a lot. Maybe there's flexibility there uh, to, to then move Zach Tom to center. And to your point also, Clayton, I would agree with the statement that Zach Tom probably assesses the protection better um, uh, in that position. And he's certainly more athletic to play that, that center. Um, if you're asking him to pull and do these things that you know, Josh Myers is struggling with, you know, maybe Zach Tom is that guy in a pinch. Um, but yeah, I, I'm leaning with Jacob here. I'd rather just, we have to bite the bullet and do what we got to do to get through this season. And maybe we need to give um, old Joshy boy a little bit of credit here 
and just see if he can grind out a year and just not be as much of a liability that he has been at the position. And maybe, maybe we can see improvement. You know, again, we could say the same thing that we applied to Jordan Love when we were talking last uh, last week about his performance. You know, we're five games in. We're at the buy. We're at our buy right now. You know, there's a lot of football left this year. Um, I don't think we make any drastic moves. But going forward, yeah, we need to look. We need to look at drafting um, somebody to play that position because I would I would be in the camp of Jack, or, uh, Zach Tom is pretty much comfortable at right tackle and he's playing it pretty well. And you're trying to build that consistency on your line. I'd like to see us stick with him there. Yeah, I would consider those ta- left and right tacklers are the the pillars. They're the pillars of your your offensive line. And uh, you know we've got a an issue on the left side to worry about. Um, I don't want to create another one on the right side. So right. hopefully we can uh, – we'll get Jake Shavink on here and get this center situation figured out, right? Definitely, definitely. And when you when you talk about the tackles being the pillars, the center is the brains of the operation. There's no doubt about it, right? That's that's the brain of the offensive line. You've got the outside edge, the you know, the, the like you said, the pillars, and those two inside guards should be the enforcers. That's the way I look at the offensive line. And I think we got a good enforcer in Elton Jenkins. He's still not in his regular self battling back from that ACL, but uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, so when you look at the center position across the league, I know Jacob, you mentioned a few people. You mentioned Tyler Linderbaum, right? Right. Um, he is the sixth highest graded center in the league right now. Creed Humphrey is currently ninth. So both of those guys, top ten. Uh, centers and of course Josh Myers is 26 uh, right now as it sits. Now, if you look at all these top centers, I'm going to read them off to you. Number one, Ryan Kelly, 86.0, first round pick, 18th overall selection in the draft. Okay, and that was some time ago in 2016. I just want to point out their draft status of all these good centers. Frank Ragno of uh, Ragnow of Detroit, um, he was drafted in 2018, round one, pick 20. So two first-round picks right around the same spot. Eric McCoy in New Orleans, second-round pick, pick 48, okay? And he comes in at 80.1. Drew Dahlman, a fourth-round pick, uh, pick 115 in 2021 for Atlanta. He is the fourth-highest-graded center. Connor Williams in Miami, second-round pick, uh, 50th selection. He's a 77.2. Tyler Linderbaum, like we mentioned, was uh, round one, pick 20. Five in the 2022 draft. Uh, he grades out at a 74.7. Jason Kelsey, who uh, I'm pretty sure is a dinosaur, if I remember correctly. Let's see if we can get this thing to load. He, I feel like he's been in the league for quite some time. And, of course, it's not loading. They're, they're having to pull up all the years, I guess, that he's been in the league. But <laughs> What, 12th season? Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll skip him for a second. Uh, uh, Ethan Pochick, I think is how you say it, Pochick, uh, second round Selection 58. He's grading out of 72.2. Um, of course, he plays for Cleveland. And then let's see if we can get Kelsey. Okay, Kelsey's going now. 2011 was when he was drafted. Guys, they found him in the sixth round. That's wild. Absolutely wild. He's grading out 72.4. And then, of course, Creed Humphrey, we mentioned. Uh, second round pick, pick 63. That was the pick right after Josh Myers, if I remember correctly. He's grading out as a 70.5. Right now, so just to kind of give you an idea, the majority of those are first and second round picks, right? So if you want a good center, you got to go 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 get them early, right? Um, or try to find find a good one to trade for. But uh, 
that was one of the biggest whiffs that, that Goody's had in the draft. Um, it's just uh, – it's tough, man. It is for sure. I'll tell you somebody, as we get ready to wrap up here, we're over the hour mark. Um, I think we covered center pretty good. Oh, the other one I want to ask real quick. Let's just go rapid fire, Jacob. Elton Jenkins. What do you think about Elton Jenkins, Jenkins at center? Immediately you think, well, that means Royce is playing left guard. I don't like that. <laughs> but what do you think about moving Elton to center, leaving Tom at right tackle, and then plugging someone in at left guard? No, I just uh, – I don't, again, like the idea of taking the guy away from what I think is a more pivotable uh, pivotal position where we maybe get more value out of him. Um, I don't know why because it seems like center, like we've talked about, you know, you're almost the quarterback of the offensive line. You're setting protections. You're doing all that kind of stuff. It does seem like it's a little bit of an underrated position as far as draft value goes, which maybe that's starting to change. But I just – I want to say that we could probably draft somebody and have them slide in there and not have it affect the overall consistency of the front five. You know, like we, we, I want to leave Tom where he is. I want to leave Jenkins where he is with Rashid's, you know, doing his thing. I want to leave him there. I'd rather just move one piece, have that piece be hopefully upgraded even with a rookie like we talked about. So. Yeah, definitely. What do you think, Tim? Uh, I'm in Jacob's camp again. That's that's how I'd look at it. It took it's you know, we talked about that early in uh, Elton's career. He moved around a lot. We had line issues in his first couple of years. And I think he's at a point now where, you know, he's comfortable at left guard. That's where he wants to be, um, you know, and I think he's earned the ability to stay there. And I, I think we should just try and keep those core pieces that are kind of working. You know, the, the places that are working on that line, I don't want to tweak them. If it ain't broke, don't fix it um kind of mentality so i'm with jacob man i think we uh we go to the draft like like you talked about clayton you got guys changing protection at the college level let's go snatch one of those centers and bring them in here but this is not to say that um elton can't play center because we know he can right and we know and we know zach tom can probably play center pretty well too we know those so we're not disputing whether or not these guys are capable uh we're looking at continuity of our offensive line uh perspective and i think we got to keep guys where they're at for now. And I feel the same way about Rasheed Walker. Let's let him go through these growing pains, man. There's going to be ups and downs. Uh, we don't know if he's the left tackle of the future yet, but uh, he's what we got right now. And, um, you know, hopefully he improves week in and week out over time here. So I'd yeah. like to keep the line consistent as we possibly can right now. Yeah, for sure. Omar in the chat said, Goody should use one of those second-round picks to get a center now. It's a great point. You know, we just called off a lot of great centers there that were drafted in the second round. Um, you got that extra second-round pick. Might be the time to do it. You, I mean, honestly, with the draft capital you got, if you're not going to be in the market for a quarterback, and I'm not saying they won't, it's a very, very talented quarterback class coming out. And if Jordan Love doesn't show he's the guy, then, hey, you're looking, uh, you're looking at potentially, uh, you know, trading up and, and getting a franchise quarterback this year if you fall in love with one, right? Now, that's not been the Packers – obviously been the Packers' uh, M.O. in the past, but when you got a Hall of Fame quarterback sitting there, you're looking to just have one fall to you, right? Although a lot of people like to argue that they traded up to get Jordan Love, and they technically did, but let's not sit there and pretend like they went, you know, and traded the farm to get him, right? You, uh, you, I think you gave up a fourth-round pick or maybe a third-round pick to get up that high to get him, if I remember correctly, but yeah. So uh, I like this right here. Drew in the chat said, let's grab the next Ohio State center. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, mm -hmm. uh, Nagabrit said, what is L? <laughs> uh, I meant to say, uh, 
he knocked down two more comments. He meant to say, "What is Matt Lafleur's contract?" I don't know if he necessarily. I thought he was. I thought he was referring to Drew saying that's a well right. there. But <laughs> so he says, "What is Matt Lafleur's contract?" If you guys remember, um, he got signed to a contract extension. Hillman Goody did the year before last, and that's why Michael Lombardi. I'm telling you, man, this guy. I know people hate Michael Lombardi. I know they hate his attitude, his brashness, and all that. But there's been so many times he's called it out. But I remember last year when everybody was on this Aaron Rodgers is the problem train. He got really, really angry on a podcast, Michael Lombardi being him. And he said, isn't it amazing that Aaron Rodgers goes out and wins back-to-back MVPs, gets everybody a contract extension. Now he's the problem. That's what he said. And I remember thinking, oh, boy, Packer fans are not going to like you. And then we look up this year going, okay, this is uh, this choppy waters out here. <laughs> so it's kind of feeling like it. I, you know. Last year, year before, you didn't hear people calling for Matt Lafleur's head. Now all of a sudden, it's there's a lot of there's a lot of talk about that. There's a lot of pressure going in this Denver game, man. I mean, if you lose to Denver, I'm not saying I would put him on the hot seat, but I understand why someone would want to put him on the hot seat because this Denver team, guys, they are historically bad. I mean, historically bad. Um, I don't want to set us up for failure here. I just want to see this team respond, go out there and just boat race them, right? At least win by a couple scores, you know. I like to see this team show up ready to play. That yeah. would be that would be a good start cuz uh playing in Denver is a different different monster, man. They don't yeah. they don't call it mile high for nothing, man. You're breathing differently, the ball does different things. Yeah. Different atmosphere, man. Like you cannot show up not ready to go. Yeah. I want to see ready. Anders Carlson kick a 73-yard field goal. Right, <laughs> right into the wind. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right, let's see here. Uh, Omar in the chat said they can't lose to Denver. They do. Matt is in big trouble. Yeah, and, and dude, again, I like Matt LaFleur. I, I want to I see him succeed. I really do. I really. I do. think more than Matt LaFleur is going to be in trouble if we, if we drop a game to Denver. Yeah. Sam in the chat said Lombardi, meaning Michael Lombardi, has never hated a player like he hates Justin Fields. I remember him saying that about Rodgers. Good callback, yeah. And the thing that he keeps saying about Fields, too, um, and I, I think I understand what you're saying there, Sam. Um, I don't think he hates him as a person. But he he literally said, everybody's coming at me because I've been, you know, kind of anti-Justin Fields. All I'm saying is give him some space to become a good quarterback. Why don't we allow him to be a good quarterback before every single year we start talking about him being an MVP? And that still blows my mind that every year they got Justin Fields as this preseason MVP. Like, oh, yeah, this is, he'll be an MVP candidate. It's like – and Dan, Dan Orlovsky's already backtracked on that and said, I didn't say he was going to be an MVP candidate. I said that he is an MVP caliber quarterback, right? It's like, okay, buddy, All right, I got you. Now, of course, he's probably going right back onto that opinion, Tim, since he had a couple good weeks, right? But funny <laughs> how that goes. So uh, – Let's see here. Uh, yeah, this I completely agree with. Demetrius in the chat said the Packers need to score big in the first half. Um, I completely agree with that. I, I, it blew my mind, Tim, when I heard that they don't have openers anymore. I mean, absolutely blew my mind. Like, they they don't script the openers anymore. That's what Jason Wilde was talking about. Wow. We have concepts for openers, right? Listen to me. There's an issue right there. They have scripted. They have scripted the first, at least the first 15, in some cases, the first 20 or 25 plays, all the way back to Bill Walsh yeah. being in Cincinnati. That's where it started. Like, you're talking about the late 70s, early 80s. 
And now all of a sudden the coaching staff doesn't need to script the first 15. Like, so, so in other words, we're coming out, we're getting the ball to start the game and we don't know what the hell we're doing. Yeah. We got, we concept. Have, we have, yeah. we got concept. We got an we're idea, kind of an idea yeah. of what we want to do. Here's what we, we want to attack this team. Okay. We want to attack this team with a 13 personnel and, and a pony package, or we want to attack this team with a bunch set, or we want to bunch, attack this team with some nasty splits. Right. Okay. But I'll let you guys know on the, let me sleep on it. I'll let you know on the opening because like Randy Cross, all these guys that used to play for the 49ers back in the day, they would hound the absolute hell out of Bill Walsh the night before saying, I need those openers, Bill. I need those openers. Because they wanted to know what plays were we running first. That's a, that's a positive. That's a positive, right? Why in the world we feel so arrogant that that – that is no longer a thing in Green Bay. Just and again, it would be different if we come out and we're playing on fire. Okay, it's working, but this team is has struggled ever since Matt Lafleur got here to start fast. Right? I mean, how many times have we lost the opening game of the season under Matt Lafleur? Right? How many times have we come out in the first half and just absolutely laid an egg, especially the first quarter, even when Rodgers was here? Um, that's just a hard one for me to. Uh, Whew, I don't know. It's a, it's a hard from hard one for me to to stomach, man, for sure. Um, yeah, you're not going to win many games if you put yourself behind the eight ball, right out of the break, like right out of the the beginning of the game, you know. Yeah, for sure. Chad in the chat said uh, his seat will be warm if we lose to Denver. In my opinion, if this team doesn't show some life and fight, uh, we might be surprised at how warm the seat gets. I mean, you never know, uh, and and that's the thing too, like. Obviously, Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst, they are Mark Murphy's guys, right? Now, Mark Murphy, this is the other thing that comes into play, and this is the this is the reason I don't think they're going to get fired, um, is I think Mark Murphy's contract's up in 2025. He'll probably let it ride up to that point, right? I, I believe that. Um, so when that changes hands and he has to step down, whoever takes over the Packers as acting CEO, president, whatever you want to call it, um, that guy's going to want to – or gal – Keep that in mind because there's a couple uh, women that are in the running for that as well. They will step in and they'll go, okay, this is who I want in charge. I want this GM in charge. I want this. Now, if you're having success, that's a whole different ballgame. Goody carries over. Matt LaFleur carries over. But there's something about getting to a level of success, Tim, where you you reach that level where, like Mark Murphy, I think, was the AD at Northwestern University before he took the Packers job, right? He's had success. He played in the league. He's had success throughout every avenue of his life. Um, but when you get in there, it's like you want your stamp on something, right? You want it to be your guys. That's human nature. So um, I kind of feel like it's going to take a lot. I think this year you kind of get a pass. I, I believe that. From Mark Murphy, it's, hey, we know we absorbed a $40 million cap penalty. Oh, by the way, it's the GM's fault. You hired him, but that's, you know, like – yeah, okay, let's get through this year, then see what we do next year, 2024. If everything goes south, maybe you scrap it. And you do like you did with Murphy. If I remember correctly, Mark Murphy got to come in a year or two early and kind of on-the-job training under Bob Harlan, and then maybe you put the staff in place. But let's hope they turn it around because I like Goody too. I just the, – the thing that sours me on Goody a little bit are the people that will – they just refuse – to admit anything that Goody's done wrong. Every GM makes mistakes, but there's some that what I refer to as the gatekeepers, you're not allowed to say anything negative about Brian Gutekunst, right. you know, and it, it does, it drives me crazy. But um, but when it comes to Matt LaFleur, man, let's hope he can gets, gets it together as well. Um, 
All right, I think we're good here, man. We're way over time. Tim, parting thoughts, buddy. I know Jacob had to jump off, but uh, parting thoughts from you as we wrap this thing up. Oh, just real quick, playing off of Chad's, uh, Chad Inc. here in the comment. Um, mm -hmm. You know, here's the thing about the, the Denver game. If Yeah, you're absolutely right. If we blow that game and and don't leave Denver with a, with a W, things are going to look crazy. <laughs> We're going to start the, – the heat is going to get turned up a little bit. The chatter is going to get louder. But here's the other thing. Let's say – we go there and we boat race them and we, yeah. and we, we beat them by 35, 40 points. Yep. Then what, then what's everyone going to say, Oh, you beat Denver. So whatever, yeah, you know, true, right. Yeah. So like yeah. either way, <laughs> either way, I, I'd rather have the latter. I'd rather, you know, we'll, we'll take the, the, the win. Um, but like I said, I think uh, we have to be patient. We know this is a developmental year, not just uh, for the quarterbacks and stuff, but you know, this team as a whole, so, uh, but I, I agree, man, you gotta, you gotta own your successes and your failures and it's not fair to just own your successes and ignore your failures when it comes to, uh, who's running the show over there. So there's a lot of truth to what you're saying, but, uh, Hey, go pack, go, man. We got a lot of time here to get ready for this Denver team. So hopefully we don't, <laughs> we don't mess it up. Um, but, uh, I think we're going to get the victory coming out of the bye week just like we did last year. We got to win out, out of the bye week. Last year, we're going to do it again this year. So, yeah, let's do it, man. Yep. Uh, Nagabrit in the chat says, uh, goes back to Chalk Talk, stop being arrogant. I completely agree, man. There's a little bit of that going on right now. That 13 personnel drove me crazy, man. And all the sifting and pulling, and it's like, come on. If you watch the opening drive and watch how we run the ball, and then watch the rest of the game, how we started to get cocky with the sifting, and it was just like, oh my God. And I'm a, I'm a fan of the sift block. When it's bringing you a plus one, but when it when it when you're losing a hat, no thank you, no thank you, sir. Um, let's see, glasses that say something. Uh, and McCarthy got fired for losing to Arizona, who was the worst team in the league, by the way. That's a very good point there. Very very good point. Um, Drew in the chat said, if I'm not mistaken, Mark Murphy can't continue because of term limits. That's absolutely correct, Drew. He's reached the age limit. In 2025, he will have to step down. So uh, kind of the same type of thing. If I remember correctly, that happened to Bob Harlan uh, as well. Sam in the chat said, good show. Appreciate you, Sam. Omar, thanks, guys. Another great show. Uh, Drew in the chat, we have the easiest schedule, so there are lots of opportunities for that seat to get hot. Yeah, it's a very good point there. And then Omar in the chat said, it's 2.15 a.m. here in France. Time for my pillow. Go, Pat, go. Love it, Omar. We appreciate you uh, tuning in over there. I hope I'm saying that right. I say, Omar, I hope that's right. Sometimes you'll hear my redneck accent bend it out to Omar, <laughs> but <laughs> we appreciate you, pal. Thank you for uh, for hanging out with us, as always, man. Um, our shower said, I thought getting elite athleticism was smart. I can admit I was wrong. Uh, we lack hard-nosed gym rat types. It looks soft as butter, and it is sad. We were all wrong, our showers, you know, um, and I think you should get a mix of that, right? I don't think it should be one way or the other extreme. Uh, you know, I think it should be something that you have a good combination of that. You know, I think that's what you got in Detroit. You know, you got your Amon Ross State Browns. You've got your uh, uh, the boy from uh, God, I can't never think of his name, James Jameson from the SEC there at wide receiver, who's hasn't had an impact yet because he likes to gamble and he hasn't been healthy. But uh, you you got you know some of that stuff going on, obviously with Jameer Gibbs, great athletic profile, great athleticism. But then you got your other tops that are like just hard nosed Brian Branches, right? Um, so I think a good combination of both, but yeah, I was, I was wrong as well, man. I always lean toward athleticism as well. And sometimes that can get out of hand. 
Uh, Nagabrit in the chat. Again, if we blow them out, the tape will tell. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. Hey, we appreciate you, buddy. want to thank everybody in the chat for hanging out with us. also want to thank Jacob uh, for joining us, Tim. You are awesome, dude. Appreciate your time. This was a fun one. I think we got through all of those Tier 1 and Tier 2 positions, so we'll move on to something else uh, next. We'll have plenty to talk about here real soon. I'm excited to get through this bye week, but, of course, tomorrow we got some Sunday football. Um, we might bring you all a show tomorrow, um, maybe give an update on the standings, you know, during the bye week, maybe something like that, but we'll come up with something. But Tim, buddy, appreciate you, man. It's always a blast talking to you. Thanks, Clayton. I love talking ball. Always happy to be here. All right, man. Um, appreciate everybody, like I said, hanging out with us tonight. For those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go back up. The power sweep. Actually, it's the, it's the lead play in our, in our offense. Drive down the first man who is inside. Pull back and get him. Take the first man outside the offense. No one shows. Go right by them and feel his side. If the YN has the linebacker taken out, he cuts inside. If the YN has the linebacker in, he comes all the way around. If you look at this play, we'll be trying to get a seal here and a seal here and try to run this play in the alley.